0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's talk more now about the China and US trade talks, which are becoming a little bit acrimonious, I think. On the telephone with me is Michael Power, investment strategist at Investec Asset Management, sometimes in Cape Town. Michael. There's a song by Level 42. I think it was from the late 1970s or late 1980s. And it goes like this. It's called The Chinese Way, first of all. It says, Take a journey back in time. Leave the Western world behind. Cross the mountains to Peking, where the paper lanterns gently swing. The Chinese way. Who knows what they know? The Chinese legend grows. My eyes wide open. I feel a breeze. Words softly spoken in Cantonese. It was a lovely song. That's quite prophetic, I think, given what's going on at the moment. Because it seems to me that the West doesn't understand the Chinese way.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure that um, many people in the world, even in that part of the world, understand the Chinese way. I mean, they are, uh, in, in many respects, uh, inscrutable. But I actually think they're playing a very clever hand at the moment. I, I actually think that they may well have backed away from certain aspects of what seemingly had been agreed in terms of the trade negotiations between the United States and China. And I think that they've done so in a week when Donald Trump's troubles are are mounting on multiple fronts. And I think they think they can probably put the pressure on him if the stock market falls by, you know, five hundred, thousand points uh, because uh, people are thinking that the deal will fall apart um, and that he'll basically settle for much less than he would have otherwise done Uh, had it been a week where nothing else was going on.
0: I was speaking to John Stopford, a colleague of yours working in London, and we talked about brinkmanship. Is it a case of brinkmanship or is there something deeper to these uh, negotiations which keep on going on and on?
1: Look, I'm not sure it's as hard as brinkmanship, but I think that the Chinese are showing that they're not going to roll over and agree to everything that uh, Donald wants. Uh, In terms of these negotiations, I think that they are basically going to come up with a list of things that they can agree to, which are going to be in their final analysis, easy things to agree to. Um, But Donald, of course, will walk away saying that he's the greatest negotiator in the world. And this is the best deal that the United States has ever struck.
0: Okay, so when you say easy things, it's always, what is it, air, aircraft, wings, or is it soybean well, uh, exports? Well, you
1: see, that, 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 therein lies part of the problem for the United States. If you look at the six largest items that they still export uh, to uh, China, five of them are natural resources. The six, as you indicated, is aircraft, and Boeing is hardly in a, a, a state at the moment to be exporting aircraft to, to, to anywhere, let alone to China. Mm. So um, uh, basically... Uh, in China's eyes, the United States is only good for natural resources. It's a glorified Canada or Australia.
0: Okay. Let's, let's have a look at the implications for the economy and also for the risky asset classes and equities, I suppose, at this elevated level are, are slightly risky. Do you think there are implications There are implications for for the market. And do you think that this trade spat, which has been going on for months and months and months now, do you think it might be used as an excuse to say, I'm going to take my money off the table, as they say?
1: Yes, I think it might be. Um, My problem with the American market at the moment, if I can use a a mot du jour, is that it's essentially a fake market. Because the only people who are buying in the market at the moment um, are the companies themselves, pretty much every other player in the market is basically a net seller yes there's an ebb and flow from from institutions but on a cumulative basis over uh, over a, a six month period there's generally speaking only one buyer in the market that's the companies themselves as you know that once you look beneath the big stocks in the uh, u.s markets uh, actually, the market is not looking very healthy at all at the moment. But the uh, weight of the the big players in in the indices is is allowing the top line at least to seem reasonably healthy. Technically, of course, we've just hit what I, what can only be called the double top. Yes. Uh, or it might end up being the double top. Um, and so this is quite a scary uh, time for uh, from a technical point of view. Uh, if uh, the Chinese uh, basically say, "Well, listen, it's about time we." Uh, actually, show Donald Trump that um, he can't just dictate to us what he wants. Um, and they say, notwithstanding the fact that it'll probably hurt us in the short term to do this, um, let's give uh, the U.S. markets a wobble. I, I, you know, there's part of me that, that 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 thinks they might be prepared to do that, uh, notwithstanding the the short-term costs of doing so. Uh, so I think that uh, along with what's happening in Iran, along with what's happening in Korea, and then yes. uh, how can we not mention what's happening in terms of Um, what's happening in DC itself, Um, this is just a a rather clever time for the Chinese to uh, actually um, rattle the cage a bit. And I think they're doing that.
0: It's not the perfect storm, but you've got the sell in may going way. You've got North Korea. You've got Iran. You've got Donald Trump, who's becoming increasingly unhinged, in my opinion, and not the opinion that you're putting forward, but I'm putting forward the opinion that he's becoming now incredibly eccentric, plus the trade talks. And you talk about the the mode Jour being the fact that the US stock market is being propped up by uh, share buybacks. It's not a perfect storm, but it's not a bad storm.
1: No, I I do think that we are beginning to see more and more um, uh, aspects uh, coming together in this. And again, I think the Chinese um, are are clever enough to realize that this might be an opportunity to assert a certain amount of power. Uh, I do think that they, broadly speaking, want to give uh donald trump uh, in the end a negotiation uh success uh, which is at least optically something he can claim yeah i did brilliantly but i don't think that the chinese are going to give way much at all uh, in reality under, underneath the, the the soft words and, and and broad declarations
0: standing at the master's side the song goes on the the chinese way by level 42 standing at the master's side The patience he confides, secret knowledge, sacred ways, pills of wisdom from the dragon days. I could never lie, for honor I would lie, following the Chinese way. Do we have to follow the Chinese way, do you think? Or do we go with Mr. Trump? I don't know what to do here. I don't know who's going to win, but I I sense that there is a a stronger hand than Mr. Trump's.
1: I think we have to be aware of the Chinese way. I don't think that necessarily means we're all duty-bound to follow it but I do think we're having to wake up to realize now there is another way um, and we don't all have to be you know, born-again A- Ayn Rand um, acolytes, um, believing that somehow um, the U.S. way, which I think to some extent isn't as, uh, uh, as pure as Ayn Rand uh, would have suggested, but nevertheless that the sort of you know, free market way that the, uh, the, the supporters of the U.S. system always talk about, uh, I don't think we're necessarily going to continue down that road um, in the future. And one of the things I'm grappling with at the moment is what will the world look like in 2030? And, uh, yeah, the interesting thing is some fairly startling um, uh, sort of forecasts are beginning to enter my thinking.
0: What startling forecasts?
1: Well, well, I mean, the fact is that Europe itself is becalmed. Between now and the 2030. In terms of the growth of the middle classes, there'll probably be about 2.3 billion more people in the middle classes of the world. 2.1 billion of them will be in Asia. There will be an increase of a a, a princely 9 million in Europe in the middle classes, and in North America, 19 million, versus 2.112 million, according to the Brookings Institute, in in Asia. I think the shift in the center of economic gravity that's going to happen in the next decade is going to catch even me Who's been a big proponent of this view uh, by surprise? I just don't think we've even begun to grasp uh, the enormity of the changes coming.
0: Michael Power, thanks so much for your analysis. Michael Power is an investment strategist at InvestEc Asset Management, sometimes in Cape Town. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.